the Reds and the Phillies are ready for a weekend tilt. It's going to be the Phillies home opener, which was supposed to be on Thursday. Now it's going to be on Friday. That's okay. Mother Nature always has other plans, especially in the month of April. Hi, I'm Jeff Carr. I'm the host of the Lockdown Reds pod co-host. Steve Offenbaker's not with me today. But we are also joined and joining Connor Thomas for Lockdown Phillies. And, and, and Connor, when it comes to our wonderful Lockdown crossover, that's, by the way, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Uh, when it comes to this weekend, I'm a little bit scared about this series. And being the Reds, everybody's, you know, everybody's expecting the Reds to be everybody's doormat and things like that. But more so than that, the Phillies just, they, they look due. Uh, I hope you're right. To me, they look like a team that's, totally struggling and haven't really found themselves yet. They're dealing with a good number of injuries early, uh, which is already amplified by missing Bryce Harper to start the season with the Tommy John recovery. So I totally understand what you're saying by the Phillies team doing. I love them in the series. I think this is a tough spot for the Reds, getting the Phillies at home for them, for the Phils in their home opener after going one and five on a road trip to start the year. Like it's just one of those spots where you'd expect the Phillies to break out if they're as good as everyone thought they were going to be. But me watching the team, I'm skeptical until I see it happen because this team feels like they're floundering right now. And I don't know. It's a matter of who they're playing. I think that stuff internally that they've got to figure out, how to win a baseball game so far this year. And it's weird because they have a lot of guys still left over from that National League pennant winning team last year. Just hasn't come together yet. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Reds steal a game. Uh, maybe two, but I hope your fears are justified and that the Phillies will get back on track. I just, I'm, I'm hoping for one and, and we'll kind of get more in depth on our yeah. series expectations coming up here on today's podcast as we're, we're kind of previewing this series. I want to start firstly with, you know, who has the most to prove? Because when you're looking at this series, you're looking at some just absolute marquee names on the Philly side of things. You've got the Reds who have some up and coming dudes. And then you've got some guys that nobody's ever heard of that are just playing well in the first five games. But when you come into a series where the opposite of what you expect at the end of the season is happening, the Reds are currently with a winning record and the Phillies with a losing record. I expect that to be flip-flopped uh, by the end of the season. When you're talking about the Phillies and kind of what they've just gone through with the Rangers and the Yankees, who has the most to prove in this Red Series? Yeah, to me, it's funny. It's going to be a guy that only plays in one game. Zach Wheeler has the most to prove mm -hmm. for me because Aaron Nola now has two losses to his record, which uh, yesterday, or yesterday, yeah, yesterday he threw, sorry. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was just, he was kind of a solid number one, number two option, but You've lost both of his starts. Wheeler didn't look good. And your two best starts of the year are from Bailey Falter and Matt Strom, who probably wouldn't even be in this rotation without injuries. So right. at some point, one of those top two guys is going to have to show you he can come out and dominate people the way that Garrett Cole dominated the Phillies yesterday up in the Bronx, the way that we saw uh, some of the pitchers down in Texas handle the Phillies. Like that's what you're expecting from your high level guys. And to me, the Phillies could really use a boost from one of their top starters, and Zach Wheeler's the guy who goes in this series that's a top starter. So I'm very interested in his start tomorrow in the home opener and against the Reds lineup that he should be able to handle relatively well. I need to see like a vintage Wheeler performance. 
Yeah, if you're good at getting strikeouts, uh, this Reds lineup's going to provide you with plenty of those. Yeah. And I know that Zach Wheeler is good at getting strikeouts, so that's that. That could be the get right game that he's looking for. I think from the Reds' perspective, it's actually the guy that's going up against him. It's Hunter Green. Okay. Hunter Green in his first start on opening day only got ten outs. Now eight mm. of those ten outs were strikeouts, but he threw eighty three pitches to get ten outs, and you just can't do that. Like he was pulled in the fourth inning and it seemed early. I still say that he should have been given more time, but David Bell's uh, reasoning was kind of justified in that when you throw that many pitches and you're still only in the fourth inning, something's not working. Something's not right. So we need to get you out of there before, you know, it goes even worse and, you know, God forbid you get hurt. So I, I did, I was kind of okay with that. I think the more, the further we are removed from opening day, but that means that this game is important. And you're talking about a much better lineup uh, going from the Pirates to the Phillies. And you're talking yeah. about all of the all-star uh, candidates, all the guys who have had all-stars on their belt. Uh, now we see what this uh, this changeup that Hunter Green has developed could be. He didn't really throw it a whole lot against the Pirates. But throughout spring training, he has kind of showcased it. It's been a pitch that he can drop in there because most people are expecting fastball slider. Then you drop the change up in, you get a weak crown weak grounder. You get out of that at bat, you move on. He just wasn't able to do that for some reason on opening day. So I'm, I'm really looking forward and, and very interested to see what he has for us uh, in this first game. And then I, I think on the lineup side of things, there's been a couple of guys that I've kind of earmarked as they've got a lot to prove. Coming into this season, Will Benson was not really well known, and the Reds got him for a prospect and a player named later who ended up being a you know twenties, thirties level prospect. Um, but he's a guy that I kind of had earmarked as being the most interesting player on this roster. And up until today, he's got uh, nine strikeouts in eleven at bats. I think so. He's mm -hmm. he's not shown anything. He doesn't have a hit yet. And he's got the athleticism to really just take off and be the kind of power hitter that this lineup hasn't had in the last couple of seasons. And Tyler Stevenson is there, but nobody else really threatens around him. So can Will Benson become that guy? It's going to be hard trying to figure it out against Zach Wheeler and Taiwan Walker. And kind of like you said, Belly Falter uh, started uh, his first start was very nice. So overall, from the lineup side of things, I think Will Benson definitely has the most to prove, especially when you're talking about an a outfield that provides a lot of opportunities for anybody who can hit the ball with any sort of regularity. Yeah, so if i got to give you a lineup guy as well for the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, there's this young up-and-coming guy, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, Nick Castellanos, oh, I think is how yeah, it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> Castellanos had a great opening day. He looked like he had developed a little bit in seeing those low-and-away breaking balls that he was swinging at consistently throughout last year. And then after like games one and two, he's fallen right back into it. He's been really rough to start the year. And this is a year where the Phillies, with the injuries they're facing, could really use the guy that they paid money to be a star to be a star and not have what happened last year happen again. Now they clearly overcame. Uh, Castellanos struggles at the dish last year with the NL pennant. But I, it becomes so much easier if that guy hits like he did the last year he was in Cincinnati. So uh, that's the guy that I'm watching as far as position player lineup is concerned to see if uh, I know uh, late last year he had a series where uh, we went to Great American Ballpark and the Phillies saw you guys and he played very well up there and hit very well. Maybe it's something about just seeing the Reds and maybe he could break out of it a little bit, but he's a guy that's going to have to be really good, especially with the injuries the Phillies are currently facing, and he just hasn't been so far this year. 
he's a guy that I know for me, if I'm in attendance, I will always, you know, applaud him whenever he comes up to the plate. Cincinnati, we got a special place in our heart for Nick Castellanos. And it was so weird how the Reds treated his free agency, letting him walk without really even a a callback of like, hey, maybe would this work? Like, reportedly, none of that ever happened. So it was just so weird the way that, you know, the front office and ownership really treated that whole situation because I'm pretty sure if he'd have stayed in Cincinnati for the rest of his career, he'd become one of the most favored Reds ever. Like, people just love him and his his mentality. And and I was kind of bummed to see that, you know, his first year in Philadelphia didn't quite go as planned. And um, I'm hoping that he does bounce back, hoping it's not to the point that it kills the Reds (laughs) this weekend, but definitely throughout the rest of the season, whenever he's not playing the Reds, I'll be, I'll be all over rooting for Nick Castellanos for sure. Yeah, man, he's a big part of this team and he's a guy that has been hitting in the heart of the lineup so far early on in the season. And if he's going to strike out at the rate he is right now, which is basically every other at bat, like that's just, it's not going to work for the Philadelphia Phillies for where he's at in the lineup and what they need to overcome. I'll say again, injuries are just killing this team right now early and you need your star players to play like star players to help carry this lineup. So yeah, hopefully he breaks out and has a, a good little home series to start the year. Well, expectations are definitely high in Philadelphia, but when we're talking about this series, you and I have our own expectations for what we can uh, look forward to in these next three games. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is So Rare. Really excited about this new sponsor. So Rare is a great uh, daily fantasy type deal, revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners and officially licensed digital cards uh, that feature. Players from across all 30 MLB teams are up for grabs. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their own fantasy experience. And when you're when you're looking at this, you can collect, you can buy, you can sell, you can you compete with the player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance. Collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next level competitions and rewards. So rare MLB games happen twice weekly and span a three to four day cycle. At the end of game weeks, so rare men MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards. You can get game tickets, you can get merchandise, signed jerseys, and even VIP experiences over at so rare prizes do vary depending on the competition that you're playing. So head to so rare.com slash locked on to get in on the fun. That's spelled S O R A R E.com to draft your team for free. And then you get your player cards. You can set your lineup and you start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. Thank you so much for joining Connor and myself here on this Phillies Reds crossover as we get you ready for the series. You're not going to miss like if, if, if you want to get the Phillies perspective coming up Monday, there'll be a series recap there. We'll have a series recap on lockdown Reds, give you all the looks inside our teams because each and every day we are locked on Reds and Phillies because we're all about our teams and, and, and really Connor, when it comes to this series, I, I think we, we've hit on it a little bit. 
Um, definitely expecting the Phillies to win this series, but I'm kind of expecting the Reds to take one. And they come into this series three and two, and they've had some nice performances to this point. Is that something that, I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to say, you know, would you be disappointed if the Phillies don't sweep somebody? But looking at the Reds from the lens of National League playoff contenders, they got to be looking at the Reds as a team that they're like, this is the team you can't lose to. Yeah, I totally agree. And looking at the Phillies' next two series, if we include the three-game set with the Marlins coming up, my goal in general for that is just four and two. Two more than you lose is just perfect for me. I'm good with that because I don't think it's fair in Major League Baseball at all. I think you get in a trap when you're a good team chasing a sweep. Not so much the team, but as, as a fan base. And your expectations can get the best of you. Like Even the great teams, sweeps are not necessarily a rarity, but don't happen as often as you'd expect. So uh, I'm expecting two wins in this series. Just win the series, get yourself some momentum before you have Miami come in. You play your first divisional games of the year in the NL East. Uh, so I'm not looking for the sweep. If it happens, great. I'm ecstatic. But if the Reds go ahead and steal a game, as long as it's not the game against Zach Wheeler. If it's Taiwan Walker and Bailey Falter win and Zach Wheeler loses, like, oh, okay, Zach Wheeler should probably have a better game against this Reds lineup. But I'm good with a 2-1 series, and I do need to see the Phillies win, though. I'm very, I'd be very disappointed with a series loss. I am slightly worried about this series because of how the Phillies come into it. I feel like they – are coming in kind of like a wounded animal a little bit. They're mm -hmm. like, we are ready to go. We got to fight. We got to get back on track here because they play in the toughest division in baseball. And I, I, I firmly believe that it's the toughest division uh, bar none. And when you look at the guys that are at the top there with the Phillies, sure, they didn't beat them last year to win the division, but they still went to the World Series. So it just goes to show you that – if you're a good team and you make the playoffs, no matter if you have to fight the AL East, I think the AL East almost prepares you for that. So these kind of games are the ones that the Phillies are just looking their chops at. And I'm looking squarely at a dude who uh, there was a former broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds, and I won't say his name, uh, mm. but he loved to tell us where Kyle Schwarber came from. Uh, he's Kyle Schwarber from Middletown. And that's just north here, Cincinnati, for any Phillies fans that aren't necessarily yep. aware with, uh, of south, southwest Ohio geography. But uh, Middletown is a very local place. And every time he would come to bat, this former Reds broadcaster would mention that. And then he'd hit a home run because it just seems like Kyle Schwarber loves facing the Reds. Well, he comes into this game having homered in each of the last two games. And so I'm a little bit leery of that. I know the Phillies lost their final game to the Yankees, but he is a guy that especially if Reds pitchers are struggling with walks like they did a little bit in that opening series with the Pirates and they put people on base and then all of a sudden Schwarber launches one, then you're already talking about being down multiple runs to a team that I think has got a very good pitching staff. So I'm very worried about how the Reds can uh, kind of translate this series into any amount of success. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber's a valid fear considering he should probably have one, maybe two more home runs. Uh, he hit one in Texas that would have been way out at Citizens Bank Park and another one that would have been close. So he would be coming in if they had played all their games at home, probably with four home runs on the year through five or six games. So, uh, yeah, he's a streaky hitter and in the best way. 
he's always so Reese Hoskins is streaky in that he'll hit 20 home runs over 30 games and then not hit one for a month. Schwarber's streaky in that when he starts hitting them, he'll keep hitting them, but he's also always a threat. He doesn't ever really go through those long, sustained stretches of not hitting them. But when he hits two in a row, he'll probably get three and four and five before he starts to cool off. So looking forward to that. His first at bat leading off for the Philadelphia Phillies at home last year was a home run. So he loves the moment, too, of the home opener. Now he won't be batting leadoff because Trey Turner's now here. But it's another guy to be concerned about is Trey Turner and how will he rise to the moment. The Phillies top of the order. Uh, seems poised, ready to break through. And they put together some better at-bats in New York than they did in Texas outside of their first game. Uh, yeah, you got good reason to be concerned. I think they're ready for a big series. Yeah, that's that's something that, you know, we talk about Schwarber and the homers, but, you know, adding Trey Turner in the offseason, which is such a huge deal. I mean, you're talking about probably the number one shortstop in baseball, and I don't necessarily know that it's that close of an argument. And, and, and overall, he's hitting very well to start the season. He's not hitting a ton of home runs like Schwarber, but he's batting over 300. He's got his OPS right where he wants it to be. So I'm a little bit worried about that. And, and we talk about for this series with the Reds having the big three going of Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft being their probable starters. These are the three guys that if the Reds are going to you know, flirt with being better than they were last year, these are the three guys that have to pitch well, and you put them up against the toughest competition. So I'm I'm interested to see how they respond. But kind of like you said, the top of the lineup for the Reds is very interesting. This this lineup has a lot of unproven dudes in it, but the two most proven guys are going to hit you in the top three, top four, depending on where they put Tyler Stevenson. They've been putting him in the cleanup spot, but it's Jonathan India in the leadoff spot who has looked fantastic to start the year. And then you got Tyler Stevenson batting cleanup. So who fills in in front of them? Will Myers really hasn't started to get going just yet. Uh, TJ Friedel has been a very interesting revelation because he's a guy that wasn't a prospect. He wasn't on any sort of top list. And he played okay during his month of playing time last year. He had an OPS plus of 102, which according to most guys that hit this lineup last year is stellar because we had so many guys that were under 100 for their OPS pluses. But TJ Friedel is also a guy that can, he can uh, uncork a homer and he could drop down a bunt for a single. So he's really starting to endear himself to a very old fan base in the Cincinnati Reds that uh, loves, loves them some bunts. So mm. how does that all translate when you're facing a Zach Wheeler, who I know, you know, and I know that he knows what he did wrong and he's going to fix it. So he's yeah. going to get back up on that mound. And this first game on Friday, I think it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun to watch this pitching matchup overall. Uh, dude, I totally agree. So if you're going to give me somebody who the Phillies fandom should be most worried about in this series, my first thought goes to one of the starters. But is that is it one of the lineup guys? Is it Jonathan India? Like who should we be most afraid of as we head into the series with the Reds? Really randomly, and I'm not sure exactly where he's going to slot into the lineup, but they have this dude that came out of nowhere. And by nowhere, I mean he's played two seasons for the Giants, and in either season the most at-bats he had was 98. And it's wow. Jason Bossler. Okay. Coming into this year, we really weren't sure who he was. He broke camp with the team. The The coaching staff was glowing about him. We're like, all right, whatever. Let's see. He's got the most homers on the team. He's got three home runs already. If he hits one more home run, he will tie his career, like his, his season best total yeah. that he's ever had. So 
talking about coming out of nowhere, he's insane, but he has five hits so far this year. None of them are singles. He has homers wow. and he has, I think he has a triple and I think he has a double. And it's, it's just fantastic to see because he literally has talked about, it. he's like, I just go up there and I'm trying to put the bat on the ball. I'm trying to get a single, trying to keep the lineup going, keep things turning over, but it's going out of the ballpark. So it's like, okay, let's see what he's got. And I think that this will kind of be the big kind of, not necessarily test, but the kind of, you know, maybe it is a test to see exactly how good this guy is, but he has been probably the hottest. He's definitely the hottest power hitter in the lineup and probably the biggest threat to uh, uncork a long ball at citizens bank. Well, there you go. So when he hits one in game two or three, no one at citizens bank park should be sitting there saying, who the heck is this guy? Because you just <laughs> gave us a scouting report right there. Yeah. The Phillies have gotten burned by the long ball a little bit early, especially in that Ranger series. So, uh, something to look at to see if Zach Wheeler and the other guys going in the series can can limit that. So we'll keep an eye on Exactly. And as this series gets going, it's definitely going to set these teams up for the rest of the season. And of course, both teams end up playing next weekend as well. So we'll be right back here talking about this uh, before Great American Series. But overall, we are going to look at where the Reds and the Phillies set for the rest of the year and kind of how they can set themselves up for that. That's coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel is one of our greatest sponsors, and when it comes to FanDuel, there is no better companion for you as the NBA playoffs are almost here. Now, Cincinnati doesn't really have any sort of basketball team that we go for, but we know that the Sixers are going to be in the NBA playoffs. Joel Embiid is going to win MVP, and the Sixers are going to go on a run. Make that bet tomorrow. He dropped 52 the other night, and I was just like, yeah, that seems like another day at the office for him this year. On 80% shooting. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And yes. you can bet on Joel Embiid and plenty of other NBA stuff, as well as Major League Baseball stuff, over at FanDuel. Plus, you can take advantage of the no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. And if you want to look at some baseball, and we kind of talked about this guy already, but there is a futures bet for the player to lead Major League Baseball in home runs. The favorite is Aaron Judge. Of course, because, you know, he's coming off a year when he did it already. He's at five to one odds to do that. Number two is our man from Middletown, Kyle Schwarber, plus 950. I I, I wonder if, like, I I think he could possibly do it if, if one of those streaks lasts long enough, don't you? It's certainly possible, especially with the ballpark and him having more protection in the lineup this year with Trey Turner there. Yeah, it could certainly happen, so keep an eye on that. Definitely got to keep an eye on that over at FanDuel. Head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on to take advantage of the no sweat first bet. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. They're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. And in between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Connor at Connor Thomas nine, seven, five, you can follow my co-host, Steve, who's not with me. He'll be back tomorrow. We, we got a live show before the series starts. You can follow him at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You'll get some uh, Hawaii mixed in with baseball. So for those of us here on the East Coast that are just praying for anything warmer than 50 degrees, he'll be posting pictures of the beach. because That's nice. We've got – do you see the weather, by the way, in Philadelphia today? It's, it's like – isn't it good or is it bad? It's like 75 and perfectly sunny. Why did they postpone it? 
because it was originally supposed to be rain and potentially hail, like pretty severe rainstorms. Uh, and they saw it yesterday and they said, okay, well, we can either wait this out and put a bunch of people's plans at jeopardy to go ahead and tell them last minute that we have to cancel the game, or we could just postpone it now because they had Friday open. Neither team had anything scheduled for Friday. They built that day in there. So they made the call early, which I can't fault them on. But when I see a day like today in Philly, like it's been 75 and sunny all day. It's like, man, they should really be playing a baseball game right now. That reminds me, I used to live down south, and like during the winter time, you'd get forecast of snow. And down south, they just don't have the infrastructure to really, you know, deal with that. So right. if there was anything over like two inches, they'd cancel school a day ahead of time. Mm-hmm. There'd be sometimes they'd say, "Yeah, it's going to snow," and then all of a sudden it's like sunny and you know not that bad because it's the south. So cold in the south is like forty-five. Yeah. And so, you know, you're just off school, run around because, well, hey, it's nice outside. So, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. At least they're nice and not, you know, setting the expectation or they're setting the expectation for folks early. But overall, as the season moves along, uh, we've mentioned this a couple of times before, you know, I'm expecting the Phillies to firmly be within the playoff race, if not the AL East or the NL East race and get ready for the World Series again. Meanwhile, the Reds are just looking to be better and We've seen some signs of that. We've seen the ability to kind of fight back whenever they've gotten an early deficit. In fact, in every game this year, and I think that's still the case, they've scored a run in the first inning, at least one run. So it's a very strange thing because last year they were not fast starters. Last year, it was almost if they allowed a run in the first inning, they had a tough time coming back from that. And they've had some nice comebacks already so far this season. We're seeing a team effort and it was a huge storyline in spring training of we got to be on the same page we got to be fired up for the season because they admitted that last year you know between Castellanos walking and free agency for literally nothing and between the Jesse Winker Eugenio Suarez trades and Sonny Gray trades and getting rid of Wade Miley and Tucker Barnhart before the lockout even started they were shell-shocked and they really didn't even get ready for the season until about June and that's why they just had such a weird start to the season, the historically bad start. And if they win one more game, they will have won more games this April than they won all of last April. So <laughs> they're taking a step forward. Yeah. But when it comes to this entire season, I think the biggest thing when I look at this series is how much is the bullpen used? Because we saw it used quite a bit in those two games against the Cubs, and they had to make some call-ups because of it because guys were just gassed. So how much does David Bell go to the bullpen in this series with the big three going and Atlanta on the backside of this series starting on Monday, and you're going to pitch your your four and five guys who that's the guys that David Bell doesn't necessarily have the trust to go, you know, consistently go six innings. So that's when the bullpen's needed. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the quick hook that David Bell tends to have for this series, because that's going to set up just a long thing. They, they pitched um, nine innings over the course of Monday and Tuesday. So it's been a good thing that they've been off for two days, but we can't go being off from two days and then going back to pitching a whole bunch this weekend, because that's just not sustainable. Yeah. Especially this earlier in the year, it's tough to go ahead and put that type of stress on a bullpen that uh, with some young starters in the rotation going to have to be really good throughout the season. So I totally get what you're feeling there. Uh, The Phillies aren't in that rough of a spot as far as that's concerned, but Injury-wise, that's the biggest worry for me looking at this series. Derek Hall goes down. 
in the series in New York. So we don't know what his status is. It seems like he won't be available for the series. Brandon Marsh has an issue with his ankle that he developed in a game against the Yankees as well. So now you're down a center fielder, a first baseman. Reese Hoskins, of course, blew out his ACL right before the season. Andrew Painter has a partial tear in his UCL. He was probably going to be in the rotation. He's not available until, uh, who knows, June. Bryce Harper's coming back from Tommy John surgery. There's just so many guys that were going to be impactful for this team that are running into issues already. And the Phillies' weakness is depth. They don't have a lot of it because they go out and they have built this team by spending on starters in free agency, not by building up the farm system. So the top part of the lineup, the Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, J.T. Romuto, Nick Castellanos, Alec Boehm, like those guys have to show me in this series that despite the injuries to guys that are filling out the rest of the lineup, they can carry this team to wins against uh, opponents that are beatable, like the Cincinnati Reds or the Marlins who they see, or a lot of teams that you see for the rest of the month. So this is a good prove it for the stars to say, hey, I know we're putting a lot on your plate, but you're our guys. You got to go win in spite of not having a lot of backup behind you. So that's what I'm focused on the most for the Philadelphia Phillies in this series. And my biggest worry as well. Yeah, that was a preseason injury that I was really bummed for. Is I mean, obviously a lot of folks were bummed about the Andrew Painter injury, but when Reese Hoskins went down, I was just like, oh man, that really, that's a bit of a bummer there. But I guess Derek Hall could be the guy that fills in so long as he's healthy. Um, right. But no, I, I think that the Phillies have kind of built themselves. Like I think the Phillies and the, and the Padres are kind of on to something. Like they're going for the star build, right? Like we got a bunch of stars and they're going to be able to elevate the players that are around them, whoever those players might be. I'm, I'm curious to see exactly how that plays out for them because I do think that the Phillies are better than they were last year and they went to the World Series last year. So it's kind of hard to be better than that except, you know, if, if they do seal the deal and they finish yeah, the winning World it, series. but yeah, I, I, I like, I kind of like what they got going on there, but you're right. Like those injuries, you get a couple more to the top guys and that's really going to hurt. And kind of on that same wavelength, the big three for the reds is I, I feel like we're all waiting on bated breath every time they pitch. And mm. if something happens to one and God forbid multiple of them, then that's really going to put a hit on the season, put a hit on any sort of step forward that the reds can take, because it really all starts with those three guys. And I think that Phillies fans are going to see it, especially, and I've talked a lot about Hunter Green and, and Nick Lodolo, his first start, the first couple of innings were a bit of a slog, but he really turned it around and he pitched well uh, in the final three innings that he had. And then, uh, Graham Ashcraft really has taken a step forward, at least in his first start. He, he already threw seven innings. Like it took the Reds. I think it was like May 5th, maybe May 7th of last year. I forget exactly when it was like the first week of May or something like that, but it was the first week of May in 2022 hmm. until they got a starter to go seven innings. So we've already done that. We've already yeah. checked that box off the bingo, the bingo sheet. So Hopefully we continue to check other boxes. Maybe we get somebody to go eight innings here soon. But as long as these guys are healthy, because I don't want to think about what happens if one of them goes down, because then we're talking about just a spot in the rotation that I don't know the Reds are ready to cover just yet. Yeah, it, I, listen, injuries can be the toughest thing in a Major League Baseball season, especially how long it is. And with the pitch clock the way it is, maybe more stress on pitchers at this point, trying to work faster. It's something that we'll have to see how it plays out throughout the year. But uh, still enough star power or excitement, exciting players, interesting players, however you want to put it from whatever perspective you're looking at, that this should be a really fun first home series for the Phillies and a fun trip for the Reds. 
hopefully the Reds continue to play a little bit above their station because yes, I mean it's going to be a ton of fun to watch this this Phillies team play. But if the if the Reds can kind of match them blow for blow, these could be some really fun three games in the city of Philadelphia. Well, I think that's a good spot to end it today. Uh, Thank you all so much for checking out today's crossover edition of Locked on Reds and Locked on Phillies. You can check out each show in your favorite podcasting app or on YouTube each and every day as we're going deep on our favorite teams. We've turned just, I've always been an addict of the Cincinnati Reds, and I know, Connor, that you're just crazy for the Phillies, and we've turned all of that into information for you. So, Make sure you follow us. Make sure you subscribe. And thanks again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen locked on fantasy baseball as Matt and Dom are going to help you win your league each and every day with the best fantasy advice, whether you're talking about waiver wire editions, trades, all of that great stuff. Check them out. It's locked on fantasy baseball. It's just like locked on Phillies and locked on Reds. We're part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.